0: morning
1: morning everyone hey for today we're gonna be taking a look at galatians 5 so for a little bit of context for today's text apostle paul is addressing the galatians in the earlier part of this chapter by telling them that jesus christ has set us free from having to obey the law to obtain the righteousness before god but then apostle paul quickly follows that line of thought by telling them that this newfound freedom that we have in christ is not meant to be a freedom to indulge in the flesh rather it was a freedom to choose to obey the spirit
0: So from this passage, it's clear that Christian life is a spiritual battle between the Spirit and our flesh, and this is a lifelong struggle. So Christian life is never going to be easy, and yet we often find ourselves surprised when it's hard or when we struggle to obey God.
1: And it's not just Galatians 5 where we see this diametric opposition between these two things. On the one hand, the flesh, and on the other hand, our Spirit. We also see this in passages like Romans 8. So in Romans 8, 5, it reads the following, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. So then knowing that there are these two different things that are in opposition, how does that actually help us? How does knowing that we're in this serious spiritual conflict help me or impact my life? I think for me personally, this helps me to understand myself better and it helps me to frame the spiritual struggle that I often find myself in. I think one aspect of Christian life is to be fully aware and okay with the fact that it's going to be a struggle and that struggle is going to take place over the course of your entire life. It actually really helps me to know that my default state of being is that my desire to stand in opposition to the Holy Spirit that is within me. So as I'm struggling to walk in the spirit, I can then be assured it's going to be hard. It's supposed to be hard because there are some deeply ingrained desires of the flesh that are within me that God wants me to help, helps me to mature out of.
0: So when we look at the list of the works of the flesh, um, they're all manifestations of putting self at the center, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, Then there's idolatry and sorcery, both which are a result of rejecting God and trying to replace him through illegitimate means. For example, with idolatry, worshipping the self and physical things instead of God. Then there's enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy. And all of these things stem from the attitude, me first, I want my way and I don't care about others, and no one can be better than me.
1: Now at the end of verse 21, there is this kind of strange statement which says, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So what is that supposed to mean? I think for a lot of us, we may read this and kind of gloss over it rather quickly because we know that that can't possibly mean that I'm not a Christian or that I'm not saved. But I think that as we lead others in DT and as we share this passage with other people, we should know a little bit of the context. So the ESV Study Bible puts it this way. Those who do such things is actually better understood as those who make a regular practice of doing such things, i.e. those who are regularly practicing these things. So it's not just someone who gives into a fit of anger or jealousy and now clearly they're not Christian, Rather, it's if this is a regular part of who you are, the works of the flesh are a dominant aspect of your life, then perhaps that's a manifestation of the fact that God's Holy Spirit is not in you at all. So it's a regular practice of these things rather than simply giving into it every so often. Now that we've looked at the fruits of the, the, the evil spirit within us, we should also look at the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So we've just looked at the desires of the flesh which are contrasted with the fruits of the spirit. And one thing that we notice right away is that the fruits of the spirit are mostly other-centered.
0: So I wanted to highlight certain qualities of the fruit of the Spirit, and this is from the ESV commentary, and I thought it would be helpful to go over. Um, patience is following God's plan and timetable rather than our own, and we've been, uh, it's abandoning our own ideas about how the world should work. And kindness is showing goodness, gen- generosity, and sympathy toward others. Goodness is working for the benefit of others and not ourselves. Gentleness enables people to find rest in God and it encourages and strengthens others. Uh, Self-control is a discipline given by the Holy Spirit that allows Christians to resist the power of the flesh
1: So as we talked about these things and we recognize that we don't want to live by the desires of the flesh, but we do want to walk by the Spirit, I think the ultimate question that we're trying to address today is how then do we walk by the Spirit? And first, what does that exactly mean? So the ESV commentary puts it this way, to walk by the Spirit implies both direction and empowerment. That is making decisions and choices according to the Holy Spirit's guidance and then acting with the spiritual power of the Spirit that the Spirit will supply to us. So what do we need to do? As we walk by the Spirit, how are we gonna do this? Well, first we need to recognize that God's word is the standard, that to walk by the Spirit is how we ought to live. And then once we know God and we allow God's word to be that mirror into our own lives, we need to have a clear understanding of who we are so that as we see ourselves falling short, there can be metanoia, which is the repentance over the state of who we are.
0: So to expand on what Will said, to walk by the Spirit, we need to know God's Word and keep it in our hearts so that it can guide us in our daily lives and decisions and convict us of sin. And next, to recognize our sinful nature, uh, we need to journal and we need to confess our sins and repent of these things daily, bring them to the cross and receive God's forgiveness. And also the fruit of the Spirit is not something that just happens uh, passively, but we need to be active in cultivating these things. For example, self-control doesn't just happen when we... uh, When we're passive, but it takes a lot of effort and also outside help like accountability or anti-laziness plans to struggle with our flesh.
1: So as we try to walk by the spirit, we recognize that these things don't happen in a vacuum. We're not going to become more loving by just simply thinking about it and wanting it to happen. It happens through context. And what's that context? For us, it's relationship through loving other people and caring for them like your spouse, as well as those that you try to reach out to and try to love through ministry. And as we try to do this, as we mentioned, we will no doubt run into the limits of who we are and our sinful nature, which then leads us back to confession and then repentance. And as we do these things and try to do these things and journal and go back to God's word, what's going to happen is that the fruits of the Spirit will begin to grow. Hope you guys found that helpful. Have a great rest of the day. Okay. Have a good day. Bye Bye.